if you will, open your Bibles. And I don't know, there's, there's no children's church today, so no children's church. So open your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Revelation chapter 13. And as I said, we have a briefer message today because of the fact that we have all this activity going, which I'm very thankful for the unique opportunity. For those of you who've been with us, you know that we've been studying through uh, the book of Revelation, and we have come recently to chapters 12 through 13, through 12, 13, and 14, that I have said is one section of scripture that is focusing on Satan and his work in the heavenlies as well as on earth, and when he gets kicked out of heaven, how he comes to work on earth through an individual called the Antichrist. We've studied through chapter 12. When I come back, I've got a retreat that I'm going to, then I'm going to take vacation, and then because of the timing, Mark Flagey will be here on the 26th of June. We're not going to be able to pick up until Revelation chapter 13, probably until July. But what I wanted to do today was to do something that was um, still tied to our study. And what I have given you in your sermon notes, there's not going to be any slides up on the projector, is part of a message that I have done on the Antichrist. And I wanted to have that number there, 1A, when you see that on your sermon notes, so that you know that this is part of a more elaborate message on one that I have done on the Antichrist, who is the number one henchman, the big helper to Satan on earth. And I could have called it names of the henchman, but he is well known as the Antichrist. He is the one that chapter 13 in Revelation is going to really focus on. Look at Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. Revelation 13, verse 1, and it says, And the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore, and then I saw a beast coming out of the sea, having ten horns and and seven heads, and on his horns were ten diadems, on his heads were blasphemous names. And then verse 2, And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority." We're going to go into detail in the future. We're going to talk about how this symbolism all ties in. But we've already studied that the dragon from Revelation chapter 12 is Satan, the evil one. They believe it was in verse 9 that there were five names for him. And when you look at these names or these descriptions, they gave us a good picture of who Satan was. He is an adversary. He's an accuser. He is a dragon, a ferocious being. And... When we come to chapter 13, this beast, I'm going to make it clearer in our future study, this beast is the Antichrist. It's interesting when we talk about this arch enemy of of Christians, this arch enemy of God, Antichrist, that he isn't mentioned by that name in the book of Revelation at all. You would think that he would be filled throughout the book of Revelation, but he's not called Antichrist at all in the book of Revelation. The name that is most often used of him in the book of Revelation is this word beast. 
The word beast appears 39 times in the book of Revelation. 38, I believe, refer to him. And we'll talk about that. And I just thought I wanted to bring together some of these names, some of these descriptions. And I put that in quote names because I know that when I talk about like the very last one, the one who comes in in his own name, isn't like a, a name, but it's more of a description. I didn't want it to be too cumbersome. I just wanted to call it names. So names or descriptions of this one that we call the Antichrist. I have given you 16 names or that when you do your studies, these are references that people will say, oh, this is the Antichrist. Some of these you'll see have close duplicates, and, but I wanted to differentiate them, and I'll tell you that as we go through them. There are 16, and we are not going to go through a description of all 16. I'm going to reference four or five of them and give you a little feel for them. But I want you to recognize that when you have these names and you have this list, you have a pretty comprehensive list. I even Googled it uh, this morning thinking that this would be something easy for you to check on, and it's not. So (laughs) I was surprised that there wasn't a, a, a complete list when you typically can go to the internet and find anything. I thought, wow, I, you know, I think I originally put this together by just starting to search and do all these searches and find all these different references to the one that is, we know, as the Antichrist. And some of them are debatable. I think, where is it, number, um, number 12, the Assyrian. Um, it, he's just referenced as him. But some people hold him, him, to the Assyrian, as to be a prototype of the Antichrist. And I just wanted you to have that, so that if you do your own study, you can see that, um, that this is a passage that some people do think is of the Antichrist. My hope in going through this is that when we're all said and done, you're going to understand how Jesus Christ is the exact opposite. And I think this fits perfectly with our preparation here for communion because our recognition of communion is a celebration of Jesus Christ. And he is the exact opposite of the Antichrist. Second, I'm hoping that you're going to see these traits and these characteristics of the Antichrist is what the world loves and the world appreciates Even this morning, there is a worldwide religious leader who's getting a lot of praise um, in Rome and thought about who's going to be the next um, pope. Um, I do not believe the pope is the Antichrist. I do believe, as we're jumping ahead to our study in Revelation 13, is that I think he will be the false prophet. But even this morning, there has been an announcement shaking the world. Many of you may or may not have seen it that the, there is the thought that the current pope is about to retire and there, that he is going to be bringing in crazily for the days and age that we live that we will now have two live popes that are retired and we will have a third one. And it's looking for the spring, I mean for the fall, that maybe they're going to be voting on a new pope. So... I want you to understand where the world is going. The world is moving rapidly to everything that is against Jesus. And third, I want you to see these traits of evil. And 
I'm hoping that you will not want to have these traits in yourself. So that's my hope for this study. I want you to just um, get a feel for it because of the sake of time. So let's just go into this. Um, you've got your list, the names and descriptions of Satan's top henchman. A henchman is a collaborator, a partner in crime. Turn in your Bibles to 1 John, 1 John chapter uh, 2. And it's in the book of 1 John, the author of the book of Revelation, that for the first time in human history, in print that we know of, the one that we call the Antichrist is mentioned. I would have thought that the Apostle Paul would have wrote about him, but he doesn't. Nobody else we know writes about him. John, I believe, writes the books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John before he writes the book of Revelation. I believe Revelation is the last book written. So it's about 90 to 95 AD. Amazingly, this is the first time that John, ha- John writes using this word Antichrist. You see in verse 15, he tells us in 1st John chapter 2, don't love the world nor the things of the world. And he says in verse 16, all that's in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the boast of pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. The world's passing away, and also it's lust. Great passage that I love to teach on, a methodology of why you don't love the world. You're commanded, and then you're given reasons why, because the world is passing away. Don't do it. Understand, it's foolish. It's like going for a balloon that's going to pop. It's going to pop. Why go for the world? Great message for our graduates today. Don't go for the world. The world is going to be destroyed. It's passing away. It's verse 18. He says, children, it's the last hour. Dispensationally, it's the last time in human history before the tribulation. And you heard that Antichrist is coming. There it is. First time that the Bible mentions Antichrist. Antichrist. In Greek, anti, um, it's a compound word. You take the Greek preposition anti, and it just means um, something that is in, in composition, something that denotes a substitution, the taking place of another, hence a false Christ. We often also bring in the idea that he's in opposition to Christ. So you would think the Bible would be filled with this expression, this arch enemy, but it's only four times in the book of 1 John that the word is even used, three of them for the individual one of them for a group of individuals. Look at verse 18 as it continues. You heard that Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists are, have appeared. So we believe that there's been a sense where Satan has been sending out people who are against Christ, people who could potentially replace Christ, false leaders, and those have been perhaps sent out with Satan never knowing when God was going to allow his ultimate henchman to take the throne. And I call him the ultimate um, henchman. Perhaps maybe you could say that Judas was up there pretty good. You know, he did a pretty good job. But this man is going to rule and reign for three and a half years with great terror. I think he's also going to have a reign of another three and a half years. Total seven in total. But three and a half years of incredible terror. And his incredible terror is going to far, you know, will bring great far and wide destruction upon the world. So, as you go through, it's verse 22 that it appears again. As you learn this characteristic, who is the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. So, the Antichrist denies Jesus. And then it's over in chapter 4, verse 3, that you get the other reference, the, the fourth and final reference 
of Antichrist. And it says in verse 3 of chapter 4, And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is, is coming and now is already in the world. And so you, you can build your theology just by taking these names, taking references, and beginning to understand what the Antichrist is all about. And then finally, if you go over to 2 John, 2 John verse 7, it says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not acknowledge Jesus is coming into the flesh. This is the deceiver and the Antichrist. The Antichrist is going to be the deceiver. It's going to be the characteristic of who he is. He's going to, he's going to fake out people. They're going to think that he's one thing, when in actuality he's something else. He's going to give false doctrine, and he is going to basically, basically trick the world and bring about great destruction. So, Antichrist, first key name, but there's more. Turn back in your Bible to the book of Genesis, and this is one that I think I wanted to share with you because I believe of its importance that you need to understand in the book of Genesis chapter 3, it's in chapter 3 when God is giving the curses to Adam and Eve for sinning. He is speaking to the serpent. In verse 14, he says, Then the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between your, you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise you on the heel, and you shall bruise him on the, he shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. Without taking a lot of time, the word for seed is the Hebrew word zera. It's fascinating because we know that it has a plural and has a singular function. We know that God, based upon context, will basically use whichever reference he wants. It's in Galatians chapter 3 that the word seed is sing- referenced as singular and refers to Jesus Christ. But here I'm talking about the seed of the serpent. And the reference is, is not only just the line of evil people, but there is the belief that this is a reference to how the Antichrist will be destroyed, his seed. And, and so there is thought of how is a seed going to come about? Um, is this just going to be somebody like Judas where Satan came into him? Or is it from the 1960s movie Rosemary's Baby, that concept? And hopefully very few of you have seen it. That movie, it's an evil movie. I had to see it when I was a kid. I got exposed to it. I still have nightmares from 1968, 69. Trust me on that. So I'm not advocating it. But it was a movie in which Satan came to earth and impregnated a woman. And there's been many thoughts on this that he is going to impregnate a woman through a man. And so I just want you to, I just thought you should know this, the seed of the serpent. That is what some people associate with the Antichrist. Going through your list, little horn in Daniel chapter 7. Insolent king, Daniel chapter 8. Number 5, the prince who is to come. This is how we know. It's this passage that we know the Antichrist has to come from a rebirth of the Roman Empire. It's explicit, people. You can't get it any more explicit. Anybody that tries to say it's the president or this person or that person, it's so number five, number six, excuse me, number five, the prince who is to come, that, that expression. The one who makes desolate is in Daniel 9, 27. Um, I'm going to use this verse twice. 
verse, Daniel eleven thirty six for number seven, the self-magnifying king, he promotes himself. He is the man of lawlessness. Will you just quickly turn there? I want you to see, and this will be one that we'll look at in 2 Thessalonians. In 2 Thessalonians, the apostle Paul is talking about end times, and he makes this famous statement, let no one deceive you, he says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3, deceive you for it will not it's not here remember I, i've told you before you should not use that word in an expression in italics it is to be understood it is not here unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed the son of destruction there are two names for the antichrist in that but focusing on he's the man of lawlessness and this is a title this is a noun when we get to verse eight it's an adjective and i just i i put them different um, on your list because I just wanted to um, differentiate that when you come to verse 3, that's a title. What is lawless? He follows no rules. Some of your Bibles have, he's a man of sin. Lawlessness is sin, 1 John chapter 3, uh, verse 4. It is important that we always remember that God could say sin, just say, you know, sin is breaking my commandments, but sin is lawlessness. And this is so important that we recognize that sin is illogical. Why does somebody that has a great marriage all of a sudden walk out on his marriage? Because it doesn't make any sense. Why does somebody just all of a sudden kill somebody? Because it makes no sense. Sin is lawlessness. There is no rhyme or reason. Any approach that tries to logically deal with sin and will leave you frustrated. When you try to say, why did that person do that? Why did you do that? And you try to rationalize it. You must always remember, sin is lawless. It follows no rules. This man will follow no rules. He will be the epitome of one who follows no rules. He's the man of lawlessness. Number nine, he is the son of destruction, which was in the list there. Meaning his ultimate destiny is he's a loser. He loses. And then I put, again, the lawless one in verse eight. And then let's just go back to Revelation 13, he is called the beast. And why is it important that we understand in Revelation 13 that he is the beast? It is tied into Daniel chapter seven. And I firmly believe that when you look at the description in Daniel chapter seven about the four world, in, world empires that God is prophesying about in, those, in that chapter, is that it is the description it is the description of how God looks at man's rule and reign. And man has been vicious in the way they've treated people. Armies have smashed through people, killed people, raped pe women, and just absolutely done horrific things. I believe when you come to Revelation 13 and we see the, ex the expression, I saw a beast, it is not by accident. Most people don't understand 38 times in the book of Revelation, he is referenced as the beast. From this point on, it is going to appear, and I've given you a list of references, but they're not all-inclusive. This isn't even the first time the beast appeared in Revelation. Many of us who have been studying, you haven't even caught, when we were studying in chapter 7, when we were talking about the two witnesses, who kills the two witnesses? The beast. Because remember, he's a man of lawlessness. And so you reference that for time's sake. I'm not having you go back there and look at it. But he's already appeared in the book of Revelation, and you didn't even, most of us didn't even catch it. He is evil. He is 
ferocious and being like being caught by a bear or some other wild animal that would just ravage, ravage you like a lion. He is called a beast. And we must understand as the world continues to promote that, that Christianity is, is um, evil. And I was shocked on Friday. Um, many of you aren't on Twitter. I, was, I sometimes check and... Um, and there was an incredible hatred on Friday, and it continued throughout the weekend. Some of you might be able to relate if you've seen it. There was a headline on Twitter. It's called Christian Nationalism. MSNBC came out and said, this has got to be stopped. And you read the article, and it's just everything that we believe, and it's evil. And, and the fact that, that it's being denounced, think about it. We are now in a culture that if you hold to Christian beliefs, you are evil, you are wicked. And if you look up the MSNBC article, you'll see that we are being singled out. And the number of responses of people who said, absolutely, Christian nationalism has to go. We cannot have Christians. The Christians got to get out. That's why I want you to understand the day and age in which we live is so being prepared for a man who must say, we should all be all-inclusive. We're going to welcome everyone. And it really doesn't matter what you believe. He is a beast. Verse number 12, he's the Assyrian. Some people think he is tied into the first horseman of the apocalypse. I think that is, a, that is an angel, but he is being, I think, part of the work there with the first horseman. Um, the worthless shepherd, it is fascinating if you study the book of Zechariah and look at the characteristics of the withered hand, maybe having one eye um, that the, the Antichrist might have. And, and then I repeated this one because with Daniel eleven thirty six, 36, um, he is a king that um, not only magnifies himself, which I referenced earlier, but from this point on, he just continues to, to do things that are just very wicked. And so I wanted to just distinguish that. Again, this is my list. And then this is the last one, number 16, the one who comes in his own name. That is um, a reference that some people think when Jesus is talking about that, that it will ultimately be epitomized by the Antichrist. So there you go. There's the 16 descriptions of Antichrist. Again, I know some of them can be combined, but we must always remember this, and I'll have you take one last verse Go over to chapter 19, chapter 19, please. And I believe it's so critical that we remember this. This is the ultimate destiny of the Antichrist. Revelation 19 says this, verse 19. John says, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Okay, so this is the battle of Armageddon. And the Antichrist is going to be there and he's going to be leading this army. And verse 20, and the beast was seized, and with him the false prophet, who performed the signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two were thrown alive in the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone. You know, I've often read that and thought to myself, wow, oh, thrown alive. But have you ever thought about that in the sense of, This is, the, this is what they merit. This is the penalty that God says, you as a human being get to be thrown alive into the lake of fire. No, I, don't, I mean, 
what wickedness must this man do? How evil must this man be? And yet, remember, the world is going to adore him. The world is going to worship him. He is going to declare himself to be God, and they are going to say, yes, you are. How wicked is this man? So today, what I wanted to do is I want you to remember Jesus Christ is the exact opposite. I want you to gain in your appreciation of Jesus as you understand the difference. I want you, too, to understand the world is moving towards appreciation of the Antichrist character. They will love him, and you must realize the world will worship him. And third, as you look at attributes of the Antichrist, self-magnifying, he's the opposite of humility. Christ calls us to be humble. He magnifies himself. He will not follow any rules. Ask yourself honestly, do you ever come to the Bible and say, well, this doesn't apply to me. I'm not going to do that. That is the spirit of the Antichrist. We must be people who always submit to God's word. And so as we go to communion, I just want us to come with a greater love for Jesus Christ and recognize that we have a king of kings and lord of lords who could have sat on the throne and said, crush all of those humans, but instead said, I'm going to leave my throne in heaven, and I'm going to come to earth, and I'm going to die and pay the penalty that they owe. Let's appreciate him. Let's pray. Father, as we come now to look at the passages regarding the Lord's Supper, I am hoping that this has gained all of us a greater appreciation for who Jesus is. Today, this isn't a magnification of of the Antichrist, but a magnification of Christ. He is wonderful. He is the King of kings, Lord of lords. He is the creator. He is beyond our comprehension. And we are nothing in his sight. And yet he made us everything by coming to earth and dying for us. How I pray that we, we gain in our love for him and our appreciation for him today. In Jesus' name, amen.